organizations with which they work. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general in nature. You should always consider your situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that. Normally at this time of day, we kick over to our pre-recorded programming, the audio program book. However, we have returning with us this year, we have special guests that they came here last year, very well received. We liked it so much, we decided we were going to do two. Jim, are the tapes up to speed and rolling? We've got to go from the engineer. And ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to introduce the gentleman from the UCAP, the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. The voice is in your head. All right, oh, Jack, oh, Jeff, just... Dave, I am going to turn my mic over to you guys. The airwaves are yours. Danger, Have at it. Da- dangerous decision. Very, very dangerous. So how are you guys doing? We're good. Yeah? Yeah, mellowed out here this afternoon. Been up to anything interesting lately? Anything different? Anything out of the ordinary? You know there's a lot of airplanes here. There's a lot of airplanes and here. And people. Yeah, yeah. What's that? I, I just wanted to complain. I yeah, mean, what's I, that? I don't have a footrest on my chair. Oh, man. What, what kind of operation is this? <laughs> I know. I'm having a footrest. We're working on it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so how it, are you guys it, that's, doing? That's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. That's an upgrade. You, you buy the next model. Yeah, that's so on the it, options it, list. <laughs> so what you up to, Dave? You've been here for a couple of days. Oh, yeah. Survived the great, uh, uh, great the great of flood of Sunday night. Four inches of rain in eight hours, and there are still acres and acres of aircraft parking that are only suitable to float planes. That's right. And, and the and the automobile parking is not so good either. We we joke that we parked in Fond du Lac, but it's it's not that far off. Yeah. We're we're way down uh, by the paved road. Well, that would be your park near South Lakeland Air Park because well, Fond du Lac's in Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm thinking closer to Naples, actually. You need to keep your air show straight. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. Th- and Jeb, thank you, you for that correction. You got here this morning, and you made a beeline for the uh, spark plugs and oil additives. I made a beeline for the hangers. Um, I, I had to get my shopping out of the way. I, I kind of halfway joke that uh, uh, you know, you've seen the old bumper stickers where, you know, my son – or my daughter and my money go to such and such a college. Well, in this case, my son and my money are going to Aircraft Spruce this week. Um, I, I've, I've spent way too much money on uh, on some parts and stuff, getting ready for the annual on the airplane. They did give him a discount, though, for signing his son into indentured servitude for the next year. That's so. right. Exactly That's right. right. Exactly right. Before so. we go any further, let me say to everyone, uh, welcome to uh, Uncontrolled Airspace, episode number 76, the General Aviation Podcast. We're recording this episode on, uh, what is it, Tuesday, Tuesday, April 8th, so far. 2008. All day. Very, very special uh, occasion for us. We're recording on location from the Sun and Fun Fly-In in Lakeland, Florida. And uh, it's, uh, as we expected, a beautiful day down here. Uh, the, the sun is shining. The sky is mostly blue. There's nice puffy white clouds in the sky. The Daily Air Show has just ended down here. Uh, and uh, as usual, they had a lot of great air show acts that were uh, 
out there. We're in the new uh, home of Sun and Fun Radio down here. Uh, it's a building that uh, has been here for a while, but it's been repurposed to be the home of Sun and Fun Radio and uh, Sun and Fun Today, the daily paper. Long overdue. They, they deserve it. Yeah. It's uh, towards the back of the, uh, the exhibits, and we're looking out. We're sitting on their front deck, looking out over the exhibits area. We see a lot of tents from various exhibitors. Uh, the big uh, beer garden uh, uh, restaurant area over there. That, the uh, Sunset Grill. The Sunset Grill is right over there to our left. The old FAA hangar, or the, the FAA hangar, which used to be the old home of Sun and Fun Radio, is uh, over to our right. And there's just still a lot of people wandering around, people uh, milling about the uh, exhibit areas uh, after having watched the air show and, and spent the day here at Sun and Fun. So we're going to spend the next uh, about an hour and a half talking among ourselves about some of the things we're seeing here and our experiences and meeting up with some of our friends who have uh, are joining us here in the not-so-virtual hangar. Uh, this would be a good place to introduce our friends. And that's what I was just exactly about to do. Right. So our, our first friend that's joining us here in the, uh, in the, uh, on the deck in the virtual hangar uh, is a, a friend who we've been, we've been anxious to have him visit us in the hangar for quite some time now, and he's such a busy guy uh, that uh, we haven't been able to work it out till now. But finally, yay. Um, Thanks to the lovely Kate. The lovely Kate. Thanks That's to right. Kate. Uh, uh, sitting with us in the hangar right now is Alan Klapmeyer. Alan, Thank you. Uh, his Thank day, you. your day job uh, is as chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Cirrus Design. That's correct. But uh, uh, as I understand it, you're, you're joining us this evening wearing your hat more as the, uh, the uh, chairman of the General Aviation Manufacturers Association. I'm happy to wear any hat you guys want to put on me. Uh-huh. I bet I could think of some hats you wouldn't want to yeah, wear, but we okay. won't go there. Chief, Chief cook and bottle washer, done that too. At least, at least in, not with in, some cameras In nearby. charge of sun and mud. You know, it's a great show to Sun and do. mud. Right. Well, we, we had mud and fun in 1983, uh, and fun, yeah. alternatively called rain and pain. And thankfully, this week's not going not, not to repeat that performance. Right. It's, it's supposed to dry out, and, and uh, if you like today, you'll love the rest of the week. Yep. Amen so, to that. So, Alan, how are things going in your world of uh, aviation? Well, you're right. In the two different worlds of aviation, one as as part of Cirrus, uh, we've got a lot of interesting things going on. And then, of course, as uh, chairman of Gamma this year, which is a really enjoyable position to have the opportunity to explore. Uh, obviously, great. You know, the whole aircraft industry is doing well. Thank you for uh, investing your fortune with Aircraft Spruce. It's That's a good pleasure. idea. Uh, as part of improving the economy for all the rest of the people, it is essential that we all go out and spend money and do the right thing. <laughs> doing no, my, my the, part the, the aviation industry is doing economy. quite well. We, we, we don't really seem to have too much trouble with the spending part. So. Right. Good. Thank you. What's going on with Cirrus these days? Isn't well, there I, a jet or something like that you folks have on a drawing board somewhere? We've, we've considered doing a jet, but uh-huh, we haven't uh-huh. quite decided whether or not it's, no, yes, we're doing the jet. We, we've got a lot of interesting <laughs> things going on. Obviously, our, our core business is the SR-20 and SR-22, and we continue to, to evolve those airplanes. Anybody who hasn't had a chance to fly them, we obviously encourage that you to go do so. It's, it's been a fun transition with the company and with the airplanes as it's gone from unusual to see one at an airport with kind of question marks about what is that strange thing to the point where it's now very common to see them and where now we get criticized as being the oh you know everybody's got a Cirrus you see those all over you know watch flight aware oh, flight it's, experience. Oh, it's oh, just right. another there's a lot of Cirruses out there just another Cirrus it's right. a terrible thing to happen uh, what we also see and it's also a lot of fun though is we do think that the the whole aircraft industry has changed in the last 10 years since the introduction of the SR20 and the people now expect innovation that whereas 10 years and later uh, 15, 20 years before, people were 
were pretty complacent with the exception of places like here at Sun and Fun in Oshkosh where obviously the experimental aircraft industry, the home build industry has been very innovative for a long time. But in the certified world we'd gotten pretty complacent. That's now changed and it's both a lot of fun and a dilemma for manufacturers now to stay in front of that change. But every year it's, you know, some, somebody somewhere is coming out with something new and we're all looking at how do we incorporate that and what's, how, how do we work that into the plan and into the product. Has it been 10 years? Yeah, the SR-20 was certified in October of 1998. So Got your there, walking papers. There's a, there's a celebration coming up later this year, I would guess. Yeah, I'm going to be 50. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I had in mind. Oh, okay, that other celebration, you're right. October 6th, I get to turn uh, 50. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's on the record. <laughs> no, I, you know, it, it, it's great. Obviously, yeah, it's been, it's been 10. And, and in some ways, I was going to say it's only 10. years, And in other ways, it's, yeah, it's, it's 10 whole years. Ten but right, whole a years. lot that's, of things have gone on with those that's airplanes. That's amazing. No, it's, it's, it's been a... Uh, uh, a pleasure to watch the maturation, for lack of a better word, uh, of Cirrus and its products. Thank you. Um, and uh, you folks, uh, I've said this uh, before in, in other venues, but uh, um, have more than more than uh, appropriately entered this market, entered this industry, and become uh, a, a, a partner with the rest of the players in this industry. And uh, it's recognized and it's appreciated. Thank you, and I, I appreciate the comment, and I do agree that it's about partnership in this industry. I think it's essential that we work together as you know, all the parties in this industry to help grow the industry. It's in, it's in all of our best interest, and more broadly, it's in the best interest of the economy and in the nation and, and everyone. Aviation is good for people. We've got to make sure that they all realize this. All of us that are deeply embedded in this and, and think of ourselves as airplane nuts and have a lot of fun doing this, are in fact doing good work for the rest of the people. It's not just for ourselves. Well, it, it's not just for ourselves, but um, it, it does have, um, it, 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 there is a trickle. It's a blast. There, there's a trickle down. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of fun yeah. to begin with, but there is a trickle down. Yeah. There are employees that you support and you're responsible for. Uh, there are part suppliers like Aircraft Spruce uh, that you're, you're uh, uh, indirectly responsible for. But more than that, um, um, Cirrus just has just earned an excellent reputation. Thank you. In a very short time. And uh, uh, it's been deserving. And I appreciate that. And yes, then we've got the next whole set of things coming. I beat you to the question. Yeah, we're going to do the JET, the SRS, uh, Actually, and so on. my question was going to go back, not forward. I'm curious a little bit about the, uh, the history of Cirrus. How did, how did you guys get started with this? What, what, where did this all come from? I, I, guess I, I seem to remember a home built back in there somewhere. Yeah, well, there was something like that back way back when yeah the first air show that we ever flew the vk-32 was sun and fun 1998 so where did cirrus come from cirrus came from a genetic quirk and a probable uh, bit of child abuse i think my parents dropped me on my head when i was very young and i probably abused my younger <laughs> brother dale and the combination there somehow yep, yep sparked an aviation company. He we, fits in the hangar just fine. He, uh, uh, yeah. I, oh, we had no doubt. Yeah, it, 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 electroshock no therapy. I yeah. mean, it does wonders. Uh-huh. We, we were always airplane nuts. Uh, first time I came to, to Sun and Fun, and, and we'll end up on this later, but I remember wandering around out here, I think it was 1983, a, a, a lot of rain. And I remember wandering uh, around out here looking at polished Cessna 170s and home builds, and we were working away on our VK30. I'd flown our, we'd built a glass air, flew glass air down here. So that would have been, no, it would have been 84 if we flew the glass air down. So 
So maybe it was the year before that I came, and then the year after that I flew the glass air down. But anyway, you know, we, we grew up as airplane lovers. Our first airplane in the family was an old 182, 1960 182, which at the time seemed old. It was only 16 years old, 15 years old, but it seemed really old in 1975. Our second airplane, the first airplane my brother and I had, was a 1947 Cessna 140. We did a lot of cross-country flying in that. And through that whole time, we were thinking about designing airplanes. So in, in college, started drawing designs of airplanes. So in 1979, the first drawings of what became the VK-30 began. It took till 1987 for it to get introduced to the public in 1988 before it flew for the first time. How has running an airplane company been not what you expected? How long do we have? The <laughs> How long do you want? It, obviously, a lot of it is what we expect, expected in terms of growing up in an entrepreneurial family and kind of the, the more traditional business aspects of employees and product development and staff and so on. The hardest part by far was raising the money. I never expected it to be that hard. Um, I never expected it to be that frustrating, to be that irrational, frankly. The... What, what we can describe as the capital formation process. Now, Kate's over here cringing because she's saying, oh, don't let him get negative. Don't let him get negative. But, I mean, the, the, the raising money for aviation project, projects is just really frustrating. The rest of it, everything ends up being harder than you think. Well, not everything. Most things end up being harder than you think, but in most ways more rewarding than you think. I mean, early on you focus on a business plan that says you're going to build airplanes or on an engineering plan that says you're going to have fun working on a new project, the, the more fun part ends up being dealing with the people. A lot of really fantastic customers. Dealing with the FAA. A lot of neat people at the FAA. The occasional good person in the news media. The, <laughs> oh, okay. no, no, all the aviation <laughs> news please, media, they're good, but it's some of the rest of them. Please don't let that get around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's been great. I want to shift gears a little bit. I know one of your long-standing philosophies, something that, that I've preached myself too many years to too many deaf years, is that the best way for aviation companies to grow is to grow general aviation, expand the base, bring more people in, make it as vibrant as it was 30 years ago when we had 800,000, 900,000 pilots instead of, what, 600,000 or so today. Uh, as, from the perspective of GAMA, the General Aviation Manufacturers Association, what needs to be done to, uh, to, to, to grow this market? Well, the, the first thing that I would say what needs to be done is for all of us to recognize that it, it and without having it sound like a, a business lecture or economics discussion, that's what it's about. It's about customer value. How do you grow the industry? By making sure it's valuable to people. Now, some of that value is very obvious to those of us who are airplane nuts. I mean, we would be happy to fly just about anything. We'd be happy to go to a show full of old antique airplanes, and we'd be happy. But to really grow the industry, we can't depend upon those of us that have been in it long enough to appreciate the old airplanes. We have to appeal to new people in the industry. And you are absolutely right. We're all in this together. There is no one segment of this industry that can survive without the others for some fairly obvious reasons, such as we share the same airports and without the right volume, the airports go away. And airports are a seriously threatened resource. But once we recognize that we're all in this together, uh, those cooperative things, what do we need to do? We need to point out, to, we need to introduce more people to the business, to the industry. Bring a friend to an air show. Take a friend for a ride in the airplane. 
when they say, gee, that looks hard, don't say, oh, yeah, but I'm good enough. Say, no, it's not that hard. You can do this. You know, we need to, 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 oh, to remove the sit- image of Superman. Yeah, proof yeah. positive that's sitting on this deck. Yeah, three times. Uh, yeah, and, if they, and, and I actually tell people that all the time. <laughs> it's it's got to be easy enough for sure. me. You know, when we're talking about the design of our jet, what's the criteria? Easy enough for me. Well, you know, when, when, once upon a time, the uh, General Aviation Manufacturers Association had a, uh, a, a learn-to-fly person that flew around the country, exposed airplanes to the media, recruited people, and then more recently we had be a pilot. But it kind of disturbs me, at least personally, from someone attached to this, and I don't see that kind of outreach anymore. Well, it, it turns out that Gamma now has that again, so as soon as this loud airplane goes away, and and you can bring her... As soon as it, that, that actually sounds like a loud truck, not even a loud airplane. It, it, and, and when you think about noise pollution, I mean, airplanes get a lot of the blame. That's true. That wasn't an airplane. Um, what Gamma now has is an outreach program that includes an airplane, last year a Cessna, this year a Cirrus, will we'll rotate through, and uh, some people whose, whose job is to make sure they're going out and doing that kind of outreach, working with the, with the news media, with the public, so we can introduce more people to aviation. And so you can bring Katie up here later on and interview her about our outreach program. That's an airplane. It is a truck, you're right. I think it is, yeah. It's a loud truck. Anyways, that's, well, that's not as, fun as a slightly yeah. off topic, but given the noise, something I should point out. Obviously, the, the United Kingdom, England has a lot of, as it does all of Europe, a lot of noise problems. Right. The airport where uh, we have an agent base did a noise study a few years ago because of complaints from the neighbors. The airplanes were making too much noise. They put a noise sensor in the guy's front yard, and they couldn't hear the airplanes because the road was so loud. Yeah, that's. Noise has always been. It's just like the deck at Oshkosh all over again. Almost. Noise, yeah, Almost. Well, that was better. So noise has always question. been an emotional issue. Yeah. Well, yes. And so back to your question about what does the industry need to do? I love old airplanes, but noise isn't good. Okay, right. anybody with a T6, cut a couple inches off your prop. It doesn't <laughs> help anymore to be noisy. You know, that's not. You know, we're we're not going to convince anybody by thinking that noise. Attracts people to air shows, right? I, I, I Noise frequent, and smoke. Yeah, you know, the, I, a little I, smoke is good, but not too much. I, I have my fingers <laughs> not in, black. in the motorcycle world, and there is a, a school of thought that loud pipes save lives among motorcyclists. I, I don't know what that is, but um, uh, somebody just. Yeah. Showing off a new engine. But it's well, there's a lot of mud, mud out there. So. <laughs> um, Jeb's it, about to go over there and solve the problem. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and let me say, as, as from the business point of view, there isn't anything about that noise that's making me want to buy it, whatever it is over yeah, there. Well, you know? well, yeah. Put yeah. a muffler on it. That's a very that's good right. point. That's, that's a very right. good point. I should point out that our friend James Winbrand has joined us in the hangar. He wandered up. and uh, Hi, James. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's wonderful to be here. And how wonderful to have Alan joining us. And I'm just reminded last year, Dale was... It's That's always right. good to be improving the, the cast. Well, <laughs> and, and you're definitely doing that. Sh- shifting gears a little bit further, um, looking at, at uh, even a casual observer might admit some, some uh, fairly obvious challenges, uh, high fuel prices, general economic downturn. What do you think is going to happen to the general aviation industry over the next year? 
Uh, Hopefully we'll keep this interesting to the listeners as I go into this, because it's something I love to talk about, but I'm, I'm not sure I, I can do it in an interesting sort of way. My background's in physics and economics. I love to talk about economics. It frustrates me to no end to listen to business news, economic news, reported by talking heads on the news who have no understanding of economics. But there are some basic parts about logic that people ought to understand, such as contradictions cannot exist. Logic works. That's the way the world works. And so you ought to at least look at the news stories and wonder if they're contradictory. I've told, this is the fourth time today I've told this story, but I was listening to, this was about the time of the Ohio primary, and on the news the first story was with an unemployed manufacturing worker in Ohio, and isn't this awful because of free trade, this person has lost their job. The second story was how bad it was that we have uh, bad exchange rate, uh, or I, and see, I did the same thing, said bad. I should have said an exchange rate that is shifting to a higher value euro, right. lower value dollar. Right. Well, you, you actually can't have, that's not bad, you can't have both. You know, you, you, want, you want to not have jobs overseas, then you have to change the exchange rate. But the really funny part about it came in when the next, it shifted to the local news, and it was a story out of North Dakota where the agriculture industry is booming so fast that when you add to that the export of agriculture equipment, they can't hire enough people. That's a short way, a long way of coming to a short answer. The economy's not that bad. There's always bad news. For the most part, when there's bad news in the economy, it's good news for somebody else. And so what we really need to do is present a more balanced picture. Let's talk about fuel prices, for example. Fuel prices are going up. Is that bad? Well, I don't know. It's more expensive, but I'm not sure I'd say right. that's bad. There are at least some people who believe that global warming is caused by the excess consumption of hydrocarbons and putting carbon dioxide into the air. Okay, so what would we do to that? See how fast I'm trying to get this all in here? Reduce the consumption of fuel. Okay, well, if we're going to reduce the com consumption of fuel, that's called fuel prices. Right. Okay. Am I talking too fast? No. Not, ah, this not just drives me crazy. Not at all. So... Bringing that back to aviation, aviation should be in for very bright future. Basic economics, the reasons would be, as the fuel price goes up in general, the differential between avgas and auto fuel gets smaller. We're actually all pretty used to paying $4 and plus for avgas. Well, when, <laughs> and this is a bizarre contradiction that won't last, but a month ago, you could buy jet fuel right. at the airport closest to my house for less than you could buy diesel fuel at the gas station closest to my house. There was a time earlier this month where I think the uh, spread between regular unleaded and 100 low lead was like 20 cents right. in, my, in my vicinity. Right. right. And so now it's getting back to you know, the dollar kind of range. But you know, near $4 to near $3, it's not that bad. So fuel prices, no one should assume that high fuel prices are bad for aviation only. They obviously affect the transportation choices that everybody will make, automobiles versus airplanes versus bicycles versus not driving or going, not traveling. So that's one negative effect. But look at all the positive demographics that are, that are going on from an aviation point of view. Congested roads, people who want to live further out of cities, Increase the number of second homes, changing the way families operate in terms Crummy of. Crummy airline service. TSA. TSA. And I almost never travel, I mean, so close to never travel on the airlines. But I did have an airline trip two weeks ago, and the end result to my kids was 
No, never again. <laughs> no, 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 you're right, you guys. We're never doing this again. I was explaining to my daughter about overbooking and yield management, and we'd actually gone to an island for vacation. She looks at me halfway through. She goes, yeah, but, Dad, it's an island, and it's vacation. What did they think? We were going to stay? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good point. You're right. That's a broken business model. They got problems. Oh, uh, from the mouths of babes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, Alan, but so many good things are going on in aviation that for all of the little worries that you hear about on the news, we ought to feel very good that aviation is part of the solution, not part of the problem. Absolutely. Good answer. We're Absolutely. thrilled that you've been able to join us here. Is there anything else we need to ask you? What, what, you know, if you want to make that big uh, secret announcement that you're planning I, I, I to I was going to say I have one, one question, and that is, is there any announcements, any new developments that you folks have in the piston arena that you yes. care to share? No. <laughs> Good answers. Uh, so so as, as a last, uh, so I can share my chair with somebody else, I, I mean, as a last comment, I really do think that it's important back to your earlier comments with aviation ought to grow and the way it's going to grow is by all of us working together and bringing more people into aviation some of the coolest airplanes in the whole world are here today whether you like antiques or home builds or warbirds or new production airplanes you know we got to get more people to come to air shows and see this stuff we got to take more people for rides in airplanes and not scare them not make them think that we're superman but make them think that they can do this too this is an industry that's got a lot of room to grow. That's great. Thank you for taking some time and joining Very us. Very much. We really My pleasure. It. Thanks for having me. Alan, thanks a lot. Thanks. That's Alan Klapmeyer, the uh, chairman of the General Aviation Manufacturers Association and also the chairman, CEO, and co-founder of Cirrus Design. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so, James, what have you been up to? You just arrived a couple hours ago, right? James, you had a little flight down from San Augustine. Was it a mix, wash, and dry? or? Was, uh, we had a little bit of an overcast, and uh, other than that, no, no. other than having to, other than having to file and uh, having to get the the ESTMP, yeah, you know, get, right, uh, get my uh, my reservation number. It was very uh, very easy, and the flight over once I got above the deck was was quite lovely, and uh, it's, you know it's just that's one of the great things about flying. It's kind of dreary on the ground, and you pop up through it, and it's. All sunny it's up always above. VFR on top. We got somebody new hanging out with us too. In addition to James, you want to do this, Jack? What? Hang on one second here. I just wanted. This is such a new experience. I wanted to try this. All right. We have. I know we have at least two uh, uncontrolled airspace listeners here, which is just a huge. Thrill. You mean there are and two? I just wanted to say hi. All right. We, ha we so have more is, than one. Other is, than our I mothers. I hope I'm not going to get some feedback here because I'm kind of wandering around here. This is this is a woman who I don't know your actual name. You're going to tell Jan. me. Jan. My name's Jan. I'm she calls herself on the uh, forums the chart lady, and she's been making contributions in our forums area and listening to the podcast. So, Jan, where are you from? I'm from Raleigh, North Carolina. I fly out of Sanford, Tango Tango Alpha. Uh -huh. And what kind of flying do you do? I'm currently a VFR pilot, but I just finished the ground school portion of my instrument rating. Yes! All right. Congratulations. That's terrific. <laughs> Way right. to go. Well, thank you for joining us here today, and thanks for coming by. And you're a listener, too. Yeah, well, Mike. Uh, Mike, and I'm from Idaho, Idaho Falls. Uh, in fact, one of the things on your podcast, you gave the challenge, fly to 15 airports in 50 miles, and it's like, I'm not sure there are 15 airports within 50 miles of the airport. So. So, but how many have you got so far? 
I think almost all of them that are available. What kind of flying do you do? What, do you, what kind of airplanes do you fly? Uh, I rent. I have a v, uh, fly VFR, uh, fly a 180 or 172XP, so it's got a little more horsepower. But that's because at, at our altitude, you need a little bit more oomph to, to, to toy around and have a good time. But I'm, uh, I got it 100 hours in last year. So basically, I, was, I, I went from, I got my pilot's license when I was 18 and uh, then had a 20-year respite. I uh, grew up in Kansas, so I feel connected. And, and have you really been listening to the episodes like Kansas, in order from the beginning? In Kansas? What's that, Jay? Uh, Say they know about airplanes in Kansas? Yeah, question bit, mark, question bit. mark. I can't say I've ever been to Dead Cow, though. That's now on my list. Uh, but uh, You haven't lived until you've been to Dead Cow. <laughs> have, you, have you really been listening to all of our episodes in order? Yes, I actually, I, when I hooked into the hot podcast based on listening to some other ones, it's like, okay, I've got to start, start to finish before I can even go onto the forums. And so I have made it through the entire library uh, while doing my company's books, basically. I, and my wife's like, why does it take so long to do the books? I mean, does it really take you really that long? And it's like, yeah, honey, it really does. I, I, I have to do, it. yeah, I'm thorough. Well, I, I just have no response to that. Who else is a listener? Are you a listener? You're a listener? What's your name? My name is Jonathan. I'm from Cincinnati. I'm on the forums as Navion Pilot. And I owe Jeb some grouper fingers, I believe. That's right. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. What kind of flying do you do? Uh... Professionally, I fly for a large fractional ownership company, and for real flying, I fly a 47 North American Navion. I'll be flying in the Warbirds show tomorrow. They have Very airplane cool. companies cool. in Ohio? Very cool. You I'm going to come back and talk to the rest of you guys later on, all right? So, uh, but we're you got a lung gun or blue ash? Or... Okay, okay. Very Repeat cool. what he said, Jeb. What did he say? Hamilton. Yeah, there you go. Joining us now in the virtual hangar is a... Is another great friend of ours. Uh, I think you have the the uh, the singular uh, uh, distinction. Distinction. Thank you. The singular distinction. Aside from the three of us, and we know we're crazy. You're the one who's joined us at all of the three live right. uh, episodes that we've done. You were here where we Shanghai you last year. You joined us uh, pre-planned at uh, Oshkosh last summer, and now you're back again. Barry Valentine is here. Barry is a Texas Tailoranger owner and Welcome friend of Uncontrolled Airspace. Yeah. You never brought that vil- bought that Wilga. Oh, but I, you know, I still dream about that airplane. <laughs> so how are you doing? How's Sun and Fun for you so far? Sun and Fun's great. I, you know, I came down here after the rain. I got down here yesterday morning. So fortunately, I missed all the rain down here, although it was a bit soggy walking around. It's been difficult to, to uh, try to stay on the pavement everywhere you go around here these days, but it's drying out a little bit. It's wonderful to be here, and it's always great to be with you guys. Thank we, you, we, we were having a discussion back in Wichita a few days ago uh, trying to figure out who had served longest as acting administrator of the FAA? How long were you in the slot? As acting about, uh, I think, seven months. Seven months. So there's risk here that Bobby Sturgill will so surpass your record, it looks like. I think that's probably going to be the case. Yeah. And, and, you know, unless he should be confirmed, you know, sometime soon. Like I said, I think there's a good chance that your <laughs> record will be surpassed here. <laughs> It doesn't look like this Congress is willing to confirm anything until uh, January, February of next year. So what are you doing to, uh, to uh, entertain yourself nowadays? Well, I'm, I'm still trying to be semi-retired, and although I'm finding that a challenge because there's a lot going on and I have an opportunity to, to get involved in some projects, so, and it's fun. And, uh, and they pay me well, so you know, why not? And uh, I'm still doing some flying. Um, Jack mentioned the uh, Texas Tail Dragger. I actually sold that a couple of months ago. Oh, no. That's no all right. Way. That's all right. But, yeah, I did. But, uh, 
Did you uh, replace it with something? I think there's, there's a T6 going out. Yep. Um, but I uh, sold it to a young fellow in Kentucky who I hope's having a great time with it. Uh, he was, was really uh, happy to, to get the airplane. But uh, it turns out that where I fly, they, believe it or not, have a Husky for rent. So I've been oh, out flying a Husky okay. lately. So that's been great. Okay. So I still have access to a tail dragger. Now, you were working on the hangar a little last year. It's kind of spiffing it up a little. How's that going? Oh, that's fine. I haven't, uh, haven't lately uh, done anything with it. I've got about as spiffed up as I'm going to get it spiffed up for now anyway. Now, do but, you have uh, plans to acquire another aircraft? Um, I was actually considering um, purchasing the airplane that I soloed almost 49 years ago. The exact really? same one. The exact, exact same, same one. Airplane. I've located it. Uh, it's, it's moving around a bit in upstate New York. Um, yeah, I'm, st I'm still considering it, but I also recognize that it may be a bit more of a project than I may have time to undertake it. It needs some TLC. Apparently, it's been somewhat neglected. It flies, but it's been, you know. What, what is it? What, oh, it's a, it's a 1959 Cessna 150. One, ah. of the first, one of the first ones out of the factory. Uh, a straight tail? Straight tail. Straight everything. Do they make a tail dragger conversion for that? There is a tail dragger conversion. Because I know wow. you won't feel right if you're not looking upward while you're I on know. the ground. Well, that's the other issue, too. This is a nose dragger, but it would be more of a sentimental acquisition than anything but else. Take us, take us back there and tell us about those first flights in that airplane. Well, I learned to fly in Rochester, New Hampshire at an airstrip called Skyhaven. That's where I fly out of. You fly out of Skyhaven? I do. Ossipee Aviation. Oh, my God. All right. Well, we'll have to compare notes later on. All right. Well, back then, you know, it was a private strip that was uh, Doug yep. Champlin's private strip, and it was a, you know, 2,500-foot grass strip on the side of the hill. And uh, when I started flying, and uh, that same year, they actually paved a 2,000-foot piece down the middle. And, uh, yeah, that's where I started flying, and, and that's where I took flying. I'm lessons. a relative newcomer to that field, but that is, that is where I'm flying these days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those are the simple old days, you know. I mean, there was no ground school. Um, you just showed up, you went out and flew, and they thought you were, you know, capable enough. They hopped out and let you go off and fly around. And so were those first flights uneventful or, or uh, stressful or, you know, I mean... I that, that, you know, my recollection is they were great fun. My first three lessons actually were in a 90-horse Super Cub. And when I went back for my fourth lesson, the Super Cubs were gone because Cessna had come out with this newfangled thing called a 150, and they, and they purchased a couple of them. It, High it, technology. Right. It had this wheel on the front. Yeah, it had a wheel on the front. Uh, was that a challenge? Having the wheel on the front? Yeah. No, because I hadn't flown the uh, Super Cub enough to, okay. to, to have any proficiency with the wheel in the back. So uh, yeah, that, that was really my first experience. W what led you to want to get involved with, that, with aviation, with flying? I mean, is it, is it something was in your family? or um, Not really. You know, when, when Jim Fallows wrote, wrote the book Free Flight, uh, he mentioned that when he would go around and interview people in aviation, he would ask them, um, how was it you got interested, or when did you first become interested in flying? And a very common answer he got from people was, from my earliest recollection in life. And I'm one of those people. I can't remember when I didn't love airplanes. It's mm -hmm. a family joke that, you know, as soon as I was old, old enough to walk, you know, at whatever age that was, I'd run out the front door every time an airplane went over. So it's just, I, yeah, I have no idea where that comes from. So. I can't remember a time when I didn't want to. Right. And when I was about seven, my uncle, my father's brother, uh, took me up in a brand new 1957 182. And that was the most expensive ride a seven-year-old could ever take because it came back to haunt me over the years. I never stopped lusting after that. Now, my uncle was one of those rarities at the end of World War II. He flew B-17s, the 8th Air Force out of England, got shot down, spent the duration of his war in a... In a uh, German Stalag, 
And then when he came back to the States, he kept flying and flew as long as he could hold a medical. Never had a different airplane. Had that 182 all those years. So, I, you know, I, I always was able to blame my uncle for this affliction. It's good to have someone to blame. Uh, but, uh, and I've probably told this story uh, on the podcast before. Uh, when I was growing up, my father was a pilot. And uh, I think the, the phrase I've used is, uh, I always thought that was about the coolest thing a human being could do. And uh, one thing's led to another, and, and here we are. So, Barry, I know you're not uh, staffed with the General Aviation Manufacturers Association. You did international work for them for quite a few years after you left the FAA. Uh, but I know in your current role that your finger's not far away from the pulse of things even today. Uh, we were asking Alan what we could do to make this community larger. I'm curious about what you think needs to be done. Well, I think some of the things that need to be done are fortunately happening right now. I think the lightsport aircraft phenomenon, um, you know, provides what's desperately needed for a long time, and that's an affordable avenue for a lot of people to get into aviation. And I think, as we all know from experience in aviation, you, you may start small, but once you've got the bug, you tend to move up and move up and move up. I mean, that's been the, you know, the manufacturer's theory for years, where you get somebody to start and a trainer from that particular manufacturer, and inevitably they'll stay with that product line as they move up the food chain. And, and uh, so I think that's a good start, to, you know, to get people involved in aviation right there. Um, you know, as we know, this is an industry that's affected by the economy. And uh, it cycles as the economy cycles and somewhat. So uh, we'll be interested to see what the current you know, sort of public view of the economy of the country means for aviation. But so far, when you see the numbers from Gamma, the numbers are still, still looking good and still holding. And I hope that will continue to be the case. Well, and we've, we've beat this topic like a dead horse over pretty much the entire existence of uncontrolled airspace. And that's the FAA reauthorization that's still not done. And I'm beginning to wonder if that's not going to suffer the same fate as the uh, absent post of, uh, of uh, a confirmed administrator and be something that doesn't happen again until 2009. Uh, but it's still looking like our side's winning the argument. You, you, you think that it's going to take us that long to get this through and, and, and for it to finally be done to... To, to the to, to in the way that we know is the smartest way to do it, and that's to continue excise taxes on fuels and and so forth. Or are we going to wind up saddled with something that uh, is uh, not a benefit to expanding general aviation? Well, I certainly hope not, because that would you know after all of the effort that everybody's put in to try and do find ways to bring more people into the community and into aviation and to make it affordable to then turn around and do those things that would have just the opposite impact makes no sense at all and I mean I don't know what future um, congresses will do I don't know what future administrations will try to do um, but I hope that whatever is done it certainly makes sense for our end of aviation if we want to continue to be an aviation leader in the world you know it the irony of this just amused me to death a few weeks ago when the uh, Secretary of Transportation was talking about helping reduce airline delays with something along the lines of congestion prices, pricing at airports, and a new fee structure for aircraft airliners landing there. And this big outfit that's been all over the idea of user fees suddenly thought that that kind of user fee was just bad news. So, 
And we're talking, of course, about our good, good friends at the Air Transport Association, the, the, the organization that represents the airlines, that, you know, at the end of the day, it really doesn't seem like they can keep their story straight. Yeah, and, and you know, it's interesting. At least in, in recent days, the, the Department of Transportation has demonstrated uh, to at least one extent it, it's consistent. Um, there's been a, a proposal in New York City to, to impose uh, what is essentially congestion pricing in downtown Manhattan, and that failed this week in the New York legislature up in Albany. And at least the Department of Transportation was trying to move that forward and, and put into place some kind of a fee for vehicles uh, in, in central Manhattan. Uh, at least DOT is consistent. ATA isn't. It's funny how they seem to be married at the hip sometime, isn't it? Shocking. Shocking. I don't know how that could have happened. Let's come back to sun and fun. Have you seen anything fun or sunny? I always see things fun, you know. I mean, like everybody else, I walk around here. What'd you buy? Have you bought it, anything? I haven't bought anything yet. No, I made my first Horror. trip today through the through the uh, four exhibit buildings, and I always do a first cruise through. Okay, yeah. So there, and then so I you go, saw the angels, then, then right? I, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and then I come back. And then I come back. We have the, video, don't we? And then I come back with a big bag and 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 start loading up here and so forth. So, <laughs> so what are you going to buy? I haven't decided yet. You know, since since selling my airplane now, I, do, I at least don't have to buy something that will fit on the airplane. Right. So, I, so I'm taking a, a different view of you know what it is. I think that'll it'll make me happy as an aviator. So, have you seen anything on the field that make you said, yeah, I want that airplane? Okay, well, there's a loaded question. Oh, oh yeah. You know, we've talked about this before. I mean, I, you know, and I, I'd have to have a hangar about half the size of this airfield to include oh, yeah. everything I'd love to have and fly, but. Um, I was actually looking over at a couple of the light sport aircraft over there. Um, I like airplanes you can see out of. Right. And, I mean, because the kind of flying I do is the kind where I like looking out the window and seeing the world from an airplane. I mean, that's what one of the great loves that's I have about too. flying. That's me too. I agree. Yeah. That's what I see. And so I tend to um, gravitate toward airplanes that have lots of visibility out of them in all directions. So oh, and there's a lot pleasure. of those in the light sport yeah. business. Big time. And that's and that's important. I mean, it's important that people be able to see out of an airplane anyway. If we still, you know, consider seeing a void to be the principal right. uh, way of separating traffic. So, well, Dave and I had the opportunity earlier this afternoon to uh, wander through the the LSA Mall or or whatever it's called down here, and um, there's you know, obviously some some what I would call standard LSA types over there. The CTs, for example. Um, there are some, air some types also over there, though, that I had not seen before. Yeah, same here. And these are very slick-looking airplanes. Uh, uh, two seats, obviously. Um, a Rotax, or in one case, actually a Lycoming O235, like in the uh, uh, Cessna 152 and the uh, Piper Tomahawk. And um, just uh, uh, very nice-looking, very clean, obviously very light uh, airplanes. They're not inexpensive to buy new, but they are very sexy, very sexy. And uh, it, it's great to see that kind of innovation coming along. Um, we had, uh, of course, uh, Alan Klapmeyer on here earlier. Uh, again, uh, a little bit of innovation. And uh, what they've done with, with uh, um, uh, their initial designs and, uh, and their vision of what a general aviation aircraft should look like is uh, obviously uh, historical, but um, hopefully some of these other people 
uh, coming through with, with an LSA design. Um, wh- whether they make it as an LSA or, or uh, uh, they, they expand it and, and make it into a, a, what I would call a, a FAR-23 aircraft, um, obviously we're looking forward to seeing what happens. Likewise, that uh, um, there's plenty of choices when you walk around that that uh, LSA area over there. There are certainly are are you know whatever your inclination may be. There's there's something for everybody over there, which is nice. Exactly, it's, it's right. really one of the beauties of that segment is you can get anything from a low and slow Cub imitation tail dragger to an open cockpit uh, uh, low wing airplane that's built and looks for all the world like something that came out of the 30s to these carbon fiber Kevlar go to the maximum speed go 900 miles on a tank of gas carry the folks in the 100 pounds of luggage Uh, and and when I think of how slow and how limited the old Cherokee that we used to have you know it had four seats in it but when the bride and I would fly it to Sun and Fun the two back seats came out because we use that all for luggage space. Of course, the statute of limitations has expired long ago on that. Oh, no, it had wing nuts, just oh, like okay. three of us sitting right. here. I'm going to change the subject here, or change course a little bit. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Jeff? No, I was just going to add that, you know, not only you know are there land-based airplanes over there, high wing, low wing, uh, an open cockpit, closed cockpit, whatever, there's also an amphibian over there uh, with retractable landing gear, um, a, a Rotax engine. Um, it, it's just a very vibrant uh, segment of the industry, and uh, we're just very happy to have them. Yeah. Barry, thanks for joining us here. Th- stick around. You don't need to leave, but, uh, but thanks for sitting in with us here. Um, before we change course, so I, got, I know we've got at least a couple more listeners here. You're a listener, right? What is your name? Alex. Alex? And, and you're, a little, you're a little younger than I am. How old are you? I'm 14. And what kind of flying do you do? Are you a pilot? Um, hoping to be. <laughs> what, what is your involvement with aviation right now? Um, I am currently in a ground school every Saturday, but I have about an hour and going through trolls, but I should be getting on regular flight lessons soon. That's terrific. Where? Up at Fulton County Airport. What kind of airplanes are you, do you want to fly or are you flying now? Um, I have some time in both the 150 and the 152, but it's probably going to be 152 I'll do my training in. And what got you interested? Are your, are your family involved in flying? Um, no, none of my family is involved in flying, except for my great-grandfather, who helped to build the Spear of St. Louis, so... Really? That's great. Yeah. Do you have, like, pictures or something like that? No. Uh, that would be great, wouldn't it, huh? <laughs> yeah, we wish we had pictures. Apparently, he signed the inside, but... Really? Well, we got to go to Washington and check this out, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never find that out. <laughs> So you're wearing, let's see, your buttons, you get one button that says, I voted to stop user fees. You've got another one that says, I barnstormed with Waldo, the new standard D25. What's that all about? Um, it's the biplane ride I was going to take this morning, but they couldn't get it off. Oh, well. Are you going to be around for a couple more days so you can try it again? No, this is our only day being here. We have to get back to Atlanta. Oh, bummer. Too bad. Well, thank you for, for talking with us, and uh, keep listening to the podcast. Okay? Great. Anybody else a listener who I haven't talked to yet? That's Will Hawkins. We're going to talk to him a lot in a few minutes. <laughs> Joining us now in the virtual hangar is uh, uh, a, a person that we met. Well, we met on the Internet a long time ago because we enjoy his podcast, but we also met him in person last summer at Oshkosh. Jason Miller of the Finer Points podcast is here. Hi, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. 
I think it's on, and we just can you hear him? Okay, you can hear him. Okay, so just assume that they can hear you, and I think they probably can. No, can't hang. Borrow that one right there. Hello, how's that? All there right, we go. there yeah. I am. I'm live. So welcome to the virtual hangar. Thanks so much, Jack. It's really great to be here. Yeah. So Thank how you. you doing? How's the podcast going? Podcast is going great. Yeah. Things are going well. We're putting out instruction every week yeah. at thefinerpoints.net. Yeah. I'm going to ask you more about your podcast activities, but is this your first time to Sun and Fun? It is not, actually. No, no. I've been to Sun and Fun twice before, and I was telling the guys, I came down with Will from the uh, Pilot Flight Podlog and a couple other folks, and I was saying this is actually... Now, now, nothing against Oshkosh. I love being at Oshkosh, but this is my favorite air show of the season. What, what, what do you like about this one? I think I like that it's, you know, they, they kind of say that it's like an aviation family reunion. It's the first air show of the season, and to me it feels like that. You know, we're all, I walk around, I see friendly faces, I get to hang out with you guys here on the show. Everybody's kind of announcing what they're up to. You know, Diamond came out this morning and announced that they've got synthetic vision now in their airplanes. Right. and. Everybody's looking ahead and saying, this is what we're up to this year. It's, it's small enough that it, you know, it's intimate here. Uh, and, and not to mention that the Spanish moss and the trees is just a beautiful place to be. Yeah, yeah. So uh, did you buy anything yet? No, I haven't bought anything. And uh, I think I had a corn dog earlier. But. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly counts. <laughs> so uh, tell us about the podcast. I, I'm sure that all of our listeners are listeners of your podcast, too. But, but for the few who aren't, how, how did you get started doing this? Tell us um, about your background. You're, you're a working CFI, right? I am a working CFI. Yeah, and, other, you know, and I think that the original idea for me was that as a CFI, I'm only ever in, in one place at one time. And all of us who fly know that when you get up there in the airplane, time just goes. You can lose an entire day. You have three students. You're up there. You're not really connected. And you're only with that student. And, you know, I'm living in San Francisco at the moment. I'm from Chicago, but I'm there. And you're out in that community, and you're hearing people talk about podcasts and this and that. And I thought, wow, what a great way to bring instruction to more than one person at a time. And so the finer points for, for those listeners that know is just an educational podcast comes out once a week. It's a short format. Here's a tip for your flying that you can take with you. And it's a way for me as a CFI to create a community and speak to more than one student at any given time. And right. it's, it's been fun. So uh, you're also a musician. I am. That's right. Well, tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> that was my former life. <laughs> James is a musician, too. He is really. Well, yeah, I, um, I play guitar. I write songs. I play piano and mandolin and that sort of thing. And you know, in that way, too, the podcast for me is really just a, it's a dream come true because I get a chance to express myself through music and talk about flying and have friends through the podsphere, friends, fans, through the podsphere sort of, uh, you know, get to par participate in that and, and recognize that. So it's a way of bringing my worlds together. Yeah, yeah. It, it adds a great flavor. There's all that great content, and then you've got that music, and it's just, it's really great. Well, thanks. i, I got to ask you, how would you get down? How would you come down? How did I come down here? Yeah. Oh, do I have to talk about it? It was U.S. Air. <laughs> 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 yeah, no, I flew on the airlines, which every time I do it, I vow I'm not going to do this forever. I'm not going to do this forever. <laughs> it's a and long it, ride in a small is. airplane from, it, from oh. San Francisco Bay or from Palo Alto. I've done it, yeah. It's about 18 hours each way. I, yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, listening to Jeb talk about the light sport aircraft, I, I just kind of tapped him on the shoulder and I said, it's interesting because I walked in here today and I saw that little amphib that light sport aircraft, and that segment of the market is exciting because I know that I'm going to own an airplane. I don't know which one, but I can look around the LSAs and, and say to myself, wow, this really makes it accessible for everybody, even, even CFIs. Yeah. 
We're going to talk to Will Hawkins in a few minutes, but I know you and he have sort of joined up and are experimenting with some other forms of new media. Uh, we are. Tell us about that. Uh, there's currently two other shows. The one that Will is working on is called the Aviation Video Podcast, and it's a long-format, high-definition show. And um, the idea behind that show is really to kind of reach out into a broader community and get people excited about aviation, to show people how much fun we have at events like this, to show people uh, really what goes on at airports all over the country. And, um, and so that's been a really fun and exciting show. That one's called the Aviation Video Podcast. And the most recent addition is the Finer Points Aviation Videos, which is, again, another weekly series, only this time we're using video to show things like, you know, how to visualize holding patterns on your heading indicator, do things with visual medium that we can't, that I can't actually do in the audio podcast. Mm -hmm. And that show is a short format, just like the audio show, only we're using video. Yeah. You're an instructor at uh, West Valley Flying Club. That's correct. A as our, some of our listeners probably remember, I, that's where I learned to fly. And, yep, and I, I flew out of there for a long so time. So it's y'all's fault. <laughs> hey, I wasn't there at the yeah. time. I didn't do it. So uh, oh, well, well, we can make an institutional blame here. <laughs> <laughs> Linkage. I still have very warm, you know, I, every now and then I'll go into Google Maps and I'll go into the satellite view, you know, or, or go into Google Earth and set myself up on final. To and he still gets it's lost. It's no longer 3 zero. See, this is the part that bums me out, right? It's now 3-1, right? Yeah, the runway 3-1. Runway, runway yeah, right. yeah, see, that, that dates myself. It was say every eight years or so. Yeah, it was back before when the sun was not quite as bright and the earth, <laughs> the earth has rotated. The earth has changed on its axis. Yeah, right, it has. But it, I, I have it, to it's say It's Al Gore's fault. Yeah. You learned at one of the best flying clubs in the world. In I my believe opinion. it. You know, I bounced around to different flying clubs, but I have to say West Valley Flying Club club is, is, in my opinion, one of the best flying clubs in the world. It's a great organization. They have incredibly high standards. They have fantastic airplanes. It's very well run, and I have nothing bad to say about yeah, it. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I found some great organizations out here as well, but that one is, is outstanding. No do question you, about do, it. Do you have a favorite part of this event? I know you, you, we, we, we met up at Oshkosh last year, and everybody's got a little soft spot about one thing or another at each of the shows that they go to. I'm wondering what what you find the most fun about Sun and Fun? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. What do I find most fun about Sun and Fun? Honestly, I think it's the location. I don't make it down to Florida all that often. And, you know, by the time we get to Oshkosh, it's July. So I'm usually sweating and wanting to go back to California. But here in Florida, we've got this beautiful airport in Lakeland. We've got gorgeous weather. We've got Spanish moss hanging from the trees. It's just a lovely, lovely place to be. And it's a, it's a warm, close, intimate vibe. I think that's my favorite thing. Yeah, It's a little different, though, coming here from uh, San Francisco Bay Area than it is from, like, Boston, you know. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> How so? <laughs> this is pretty much the same weather that, uh, that uh, you have. Out, well, it's a little warmer here than you have out there this time of year. But yeah, but California is. doesn't have alligators. <laughs> I wouldn't know that they have alligators for me. I'm on the lookout. I want to see an alligator. Like, but uh, Y'all don't we could have bears down here. No, yeah. I was, how badly? <laughs> I think it would be cool to see an alligator. You, you think the chart lady says that there's an alligator right out behind this building? Oh, well, we'll have to I check want to see an alligator you. while I'm here. I, you know, I, there was a couple of guys looking at the pond earlier, and I, yeah. I said, what are you guys That's looking right. at, an alligator? That's right. One, one, one of the things that stuck in me from my very first Sun and Fun was my boss taking the staff out to dinner at a restaurant over on Florida Avenue called Frog's Oyster Bar. And Frog was a real character. That one of the on-again, off-again menu items was freshly caught, freshly cooked alligator tail. <laughs> it's become one of those things that I look forward to having every time I come to Florida now, particularly Lakeland. 
and it's not as easy to find as it used to be, which is crazy because there's more bloody alligators than there ever were. <laughs> oh, oh, man. You didn't hear that. Oh, I don't think the, the comment was it's always hard to get a good piece of tail, and it, it's even more dangerous if it's an alligator. So I don't know. <laughs> I'll try it if they'll throw in a pair of boots. That's what... Oh, yeah. It's, good. It's, it's vicious. Either way, it's vicious. And it doesn't taste like chicken. <laughs> we, uh, I came down here yesterday afternoon and... Uh, also U.S. Air, so you're not alone in your shame. And uh, and Jeb picked me up at the airport, and, he, and he, I, I spent the night at his house last night. And uh, he dropped me off at his house, uh, and then he went back to work for the rest of the afternoon. He returned home uh, after work, and he walks into the house with a brown paper bag in his hand, and he reaches into the bag, and he pulls out a six-pack of Line and Kugel. Uh, oh, wow, where is that? It's... <laughs> It's long gone. Yeah. <laughs> there were only six of those. So there were only six. That's right. <laughs> and they were gone pretty quick. That was. Uh, well, while we're talking about local color, uh, bears painting a little bit of a picture of what's going on here right now. Uh, you're not hearing the big airplane noises right. that you were a while ago, but right now we're looking at the uh, arrival pattern from good old Lake Parker, and we all love the Parker arrival. But there is a steady stream of aircraft flowing into Sun and Fun, making the base turn in sight for runway 9 left and right. Just one after another as the sun gets lower on the horizon, the clouds are starting to peter out. Uh, it's showing all the positive signs of a week that's going to overcome the really garbage weather that we had over the weekend here. So uh, I know Jack's planning on turning and burning this, so it'll be up on the website while there's still plenty of time to get to Lakeland. Yes. Right. And if, you, if, if you're lacking for something to do and want your spring airplane fix, uh, man, this is the time, this is the place. We, yeah. we looked at some, or I think uh, Barry mentioned he looked at some weather earlier. And south of Lakeland, it's pretty cloudy, uh, according to, to the weather report he looked at. And Miami area might be getting some bad weather this, this week or today. Uh, but north of Lakeland, it's it's pretty good weather, and uh, it's April. And uh, um, if you got a, you got the time, you got the the wherewithal, it's it's time to come on down. Yeah. This weekend should be a great one, uh, according to the weather reports. And uh, time's a waste, folks. Oh yeah, we had the Thunderbirds come in yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, one of the things we were most looking forward to. Yeah. was the V-22 Osprey. The Osprey's canceled. The tilt rotor very, military very, aircraft. Very disappointing, yeah. Apparently. They had mechanical it, problems. It Go needed, figure. It needed a bolt tighten somewhere. This, this surprises and, uh, you? No, it doesn't. It needed well, a bolt tighten somewhere. Uh, or maybe it was confusion. The props didn't know if they were props or rotors. Or are they rotors or props? I think they were having problems with the engines. They kept turning on their mounts. Yeah. That's right. It's That's funny how they can't pick up yeah, their mind which angle. Yeah. But as a substitute... We're going to get one of the greatest decibel creators that kerosene was ever able to fuel, uh, a couple of AV-8B Harriers. So uh, come down, bring your earplugs. Do bring your earplugs, yeah. seriously. Definitely. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Jason. Stick around. Don't go away. Yeah. But uh, now joining us in the hangar is another old friend of ours, also someone we met on his podcast and then met face-to-face -face in Oshkosh last summer, and that is uh, Will Hawkins. Hi, Will. How you doing? How you doing, Jack? How you we doing? met you first as the student pilot 
That was the stu- yeah. I started as a student pilot. Did the uh, did the terrific uh, uh, very re- you know I mean quite frankly very revealing podcast during your student days and you were very frank about some of the some of the trials and uh, some of the challenges. Thank you. Uh, I I figured that if I was going to tell a story, I was going to tell the whole story. Absolutely. And uh, from you know my triumphs and my tribulations. So I you know the days that I uh, didn't have a good time flying for to even the time that I I you know actually. Kind of the two and a half, one and a half times I screwed up my uh, my check ride, uh-huh. but uh, you know, tell the story. Yeah, and you well, stuck with it, and and of course got your private, and and as a podcaster, you just kind kind of transitioned and continued on, and now, and I fear that I always get the name of your podcast wrong. <laughs> you better tell us the name of your podcast. So I know it's it's kind of a funny name. Uh, it started my first podcast was the, and I don't know, I might have been drinking the night I came up with the the name. It was the Student Pilot Flight Pod Log. And of course, so then we transition to the pilot's flight pod log, and uh, so yeah, and and you're doing some great one-on-one interviews with with lots of interesting people. Not well, you also did Dave, but uh, I, I did well, do he, Dave, yeah, and he, uh, everybody's entitled to he, a mistake. He did have a gap in the schedule. <laughs> he did have a gap in the schedule. That's the only thing we can account for there. Actually, Dave, I, I've had a lot of great feedback from that one specific episode. So, so you know. And however, I've not heard uh, from Jack or Jeb on uh, coming on and telling their stories. We will work on that. <laughs> we will work on that. Yep. Well, you know, it's a little known secret, particularly to the people outside aviation, that learning to fly and flying regularly is a life-extending experience because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. So you get to live longer. If you fly 4,000 hours, that's a year longer that you're going to live. If you fly 20,000 hours, do the math. Amen. I was telling myself that today on the way over. Exactly right. Because you were, it took took a while getting here, right? No, it was, you know, even though it was... I'm uh, I'm going to start asking for holes. Didn't get rowdy. (laughs) I was going to say, it's the the inverse argument for faster airplanes. That's right. Because, you know, if you're getting there faster, you're not extending your lifespan nearly as much as you would if you got there slower. And you're not building up that time. You're not becoming that high-time pilot. That's why stay out of the turbines. So, so I better, I better trade in the arrow for like a piper. I mean, like a like a cub. No, I'll stick know, with the arrow. You're all right. right. Yeah, I'll stick with the arrow. Yeah. We could even dial that down to ultralights. Uh, there you go. Easy riser with a Mac 101 chainsaw engine. That'll make your life really long. It will. It will have an inverse influence on your hearing, but it will make your life longer. Or so, shorter, depending on the engine. Will, how would you characterize what you're trying to do with this new podcast? What, what, what sort of is, the, is the, the carrying theme through all these? You know, the carrying theme is basically the, 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 the experiences when pilots get together and they sit down and they just talk about, oh, guess what, you know, this happened to me and, and, uh, and I experienced this. And, and we, you know, either it's just entertaining, you know, oh, I took this flight, it was a great place to go. Um, or this is the experience, you know, just basically the experiences. Or I screwed up and, you know, other people shouldn't do this. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it's just a couple of guys getting together and talking about flying. I mean, that's, you know, it's really entertainment. Now, your people get together and talk about flying for no on, good reason? On occasion, Dave, on occasion. I'm shocked. Is, it, is it ever recorded? Yeah, amazing. So you're based at another old haunt of mine. Where, what's your home airport? Uh, my home, home airport is Watsonville. It's KWVI. Yep. And uh, I do fly into Palo Alto a lot. So, yep. 
and tell us about your airplane. So you 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 own your airplane now, right? That's I, yeah, I own a 1978 PA28. It's Aero Three. Very cool. Yeah, it's great. Shared it, with one other person. Best version of the Aero, by the way. Yeah, she, she's a it beautiful really bird. I love flying her. Uh, once you you know you get off the ground, tuck those those wheels underneath, and she's just rock solid. I love flying this bird. We like airplanes. We <laughs> Now, can you work out any sort of a deal to use Moffett Field like some other locals there have been able to do? I would love to figure out how to land Moffett Field. Um, it's it's rather kind of cool when you come out of. Uh, it's from real Watsonville. easy. Just fly over, declare an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you have to explain yourself once you're on the ground, though? Maybe. Or or do you just like on short final say uh, touch and go? Oh, I, I fixed it. And go. There's always the ASRS program. Right? <laughs> it's fifty fifty. So what kind of flying do you do out there in your in your airplane or in other airplanes? Uh, basically, you know, we're just uh, I'm doing a lot of flying for fun, and then uh, my wife and I do fly up to her dad's place on occasion. It's, it's about a four four hour drive, hour flight, kind of nice. Um, uh, Rico, my partner, and I just flew down to uh, Van Nuys, and he was PIC on the way down. Got to land on one six right, which was kind of cool. Right, yeah. That is that cool. can that be is. a busy joint to go into that Van Nuys. We we flew down on uh, Friday afternoon. It wasn't that bad. Um, the next morning, we hooked up with a, a, a internet blogger, um, Midway Six from Catblog, uh, and flew him out to Catalina. And we sat basically at the hold line for about twenty minutes, waiting to be sequenced in to take off. Wow. So it was really busy. Yeah, I. You know, I, if you follow us on our forums, on our website, I, I started a thread about uh, what I call logbook memories because I had occasion to go through and read every line in my logbook recently. And, uh, and another story that I didn't tell on the forum was about a, one of the flights that I made down to L.A. where I landed in, in Van Nuys. I didn't, and, and in retrospect, I didn't have the foresight, you know, 10 years ago to land on 1-6 right uh, because I was going, we were going to park in the hotel parking lot there. And so we asked for the left so that we could... Uh, I don't know if we had to ask, but we took the left because we weren't going to turn off to the left and go park there. But they, they will actually let you cross the runway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, 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 as I recall, it was relatively early in my flying experience, and I wanted to keep it as simple as possible. I was, I, it was my first trip to L.A., as a matter of fact, and I was a little daunted by the whole thing. It turned out to be almost a no-brainer. I mean, it was maybe because I just planned well, but, uh, you know. And then when we, took no. off out of, when we took off out of Van Nuys, you know, it's like... Anybody who's familiar with the geography down there, you, you know, you take off to the south, and we actually went down to that line of hills there that crosses over into the L.A. basin, and we kind of just barely went across those hills, as I recall, and then turned out towards the coast, and then we flew back up the coast. If you've never flown your airplane along the Pacific coast, you just haven't lived. Yeah, it, it, It's it, astoundingly it, beautiful. It really is. It, I, I, the, the area between uh, Santa Barbara and uh, uh, Monterey, I've yeah, flown yes. a lot, and uh, it's, just, it's just breathtaking. Yeah. It's a, it's a terrific, terrific place to fly. Yeah, there really isn't much of a better place. I mean, the view is gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous, and, and I and I do agree. Yeah. So, do you buy anything here? Is Today, there, I have to ask you the obligatory question. So, first time to sun and fun? Or? First time at sun and fun. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, oh my. I have to say, uh, what do you think? I'm really enjoying myself. I uh, I want to say I may have a uh, my favorite uh, flying. Yeah, very uh, cool. Oshkosh is great, but the weather is a little bit cooler here, uh -huh. so it's kind of nice. Yeah, but don't don't get too comfortable yeah, because it, yeah. it could get warm and muggy any moment now. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. So yeah, it, well, you'll it, see me at Oshkosh yeah. anyway. So. But now, so I heard you on your podcast the other day babbling about how much you loved your first trip to Oshkosh. Now, how, so now, how do you compare these two? Um, this is kind of like. Uh, uh, it, it, it's like it's very it much was, like Oshkosh. As a matter of fact, yeah. 
He was like, I had such a great time going to Oshkosh. I'm going there every year for the rest of my life. I can't stop. Yeah. I can't stop. It's now an addiction. Which is basically my opinion as well. So right, right. I, I no, I actually, uh, this is incredible. I may I may not be able to stop coming to Sun and Fun now. So now it's Sun and Fun in Oshkosh. And I just wish they would hold these things closer to my area. You know, it's, uh, one in yeah. California would be nice. Yeah, well, they're well, trying at Golden West. You should support Golden West. And, uh, tell us about that. Golden West Fly-In, it's uh, one of the other sort of, they aren't really EAA fly-ins, but they're sort of loosely related. A, a chapter-sponsored fly-in, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Golden West Fly-In. It's, oh. uh, it's out in the Central Valley someplace. I'd have to check. but uh, We'll look into that. Yeah, And Aopa's had their expo out there, like three out of and That's right, and uh, the expo's things. coming up in San Jose. In the, yes, uh, I'm fall, actually right? very excited about the expo. Unfortunately, I don't get to fly there. I mean, I could, but it's just over the hill, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah hey, even better. That's right. I feel the same way about here at Sun and Fun now. Now that I've relocated to Sarasota, it it doesn't pay to crank up the airplane and fly up here and, and spend you know uh, five to uh, you know two hundred minutes uh, orbiting Lake Parker to get in here. So we we did the pedestrian thing. And we drove. That's what I'll be doing for AOP. But you'll I, see I, me there for sure. I understand completely. And have you bought anything uh, aside from the beer? No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's good enough. Um, yeah, I, I figured it would and, work. You know. And where is this beer you bought? <laughs> right over there. Ah, it's very yeah. close. The Sunset Grill. Very don't, cool. Don't, I thought you had runners that would go get us beer while we were Yeah, well, no? No, we're, we're... Well, we're, by the way, if you are looking for gators around here and you're coming to look for them and they put you over Lake Parker, look into the water because they got some very big ones in Lake Parker. That's where the splash in used to be held there up at Kermit Weeks's now. But if you went to where they have the splash and where they park, there are signs about don't feed the gators. But I think it should be, like, turned around and so the gators can say don't eat the people yeah, because right, right. there That's are some right. large ones in there. Uh, well, I asked about this, and I was told concretely that there was no truth to the rumor that the splash was moved to fantasy of flight because alligators had eaten two float planes. But... <laughs> And where, where, where did you hear those rumors? From an alligator. <laughs> and, uh, normally a talking we wouldn't, alligator. Normally we wouldn't do an off-field landing of the week here because it's kind of a special episode. But, but speaking of gators, so did you hear this? this is, we were talking about this the other day. So the guy is in his, I guess it's an ultralight, on floats. And, uh, he's, and he's, he's in the swamp someplace down here. And he's getting ready to take off. And he starts the engine. And, and he, you know, for some reason, must have accidentally pushed in the power and then lost his balance, and he fell out of the airplane, basically, is what happened, right? He fell out. The way he described it was, he said, his quote was along the lines of, I must have accidentally hit my seatbelt in just the right way for it to unbuckle, all right? Which, that's, <laughs> that's his story, and he's sticking to it, you know? <laughs> That'd be my story, too. But, but he fell out of the airplane. I mean, so all kidding aside, he fell out of the airplane into the water. His airplane just kind of took off and flew for a little bit before <laughs> crashing, all right? And he's floating in the water thinking, oh, man, I hope I don't get eaten by an alligator before my friends come and rescue me. And, well, uh, years ago here at Sun and Fun, I'm talking early 80s when ultralights were really booming, we used to do a uh, breakfast fly-out one morning. Any arrangements would be made in advance with a restaurant someplace in the vicinity where 30 or 40 of us could fly in and land next to the restaurant, near the restaurant, go in, eat, fly back. And on the flight back, I think it was 1983, no, 1983 was mud and fun, had to be 84. 
Uh, there were about three of us in formation together on our way back when one of the guys experienced some engine problems. So he landed on a berm between two ponds. I landed behind him, and the other fellow landed behind me. We figured out we could get it straightened out, fixed up, and we're going to get the airplane out of here. So the third guy turned around, took off, flew back up here to uh, what became Paradise City. I waited for the gentleman with the engine problem, and just about the time we got his little engine fired back up again, about an eight-foot alligator crawled up on the berm right in front. Like, well, that's okay. We'll just turn the airplanes around and go the other way. The one good, that good crawled plan. up on the berm behind us was about 12 or they 13 feet. They hunt in packs, you know. Well, the funny thing is they, <laughs> they are not repelled by the sound of a two-cycle engine. I don't think they have ears, do they? And then one of them opened their mouth, and we realized that they were up there really to sun themselves. They really weren't paying any attention to us. They were their own version of sun and fun. <laughs> they heard there was a fly out and a buffet breakfast in the air if they just found the right spot. <laughs> uh, but it's funny how the sight of an alligator 200 feet on one side of you and 300 feet on the other side of you will inspire you to do one of the greatest short field takeoffs you've ever done in your th life. This is what's Max called short field for keeps. And as we... I don't know about the guy when he went over it, but when I went over the big one, it was like the mouth was open. And do you know an alligator can jump almost as high as its length? Yes. I, I've no. yeah. Really? They can really they, they can propel themselves off with their tail and really yeah, I, jump I, way out of the let's water. Let's be clear oh, yeah. now. Oh, yeah. I, I never said I wanted to see an alligator up close. All right. <laughs> you know, like over there would be really good. That There's would be two circumstances in which seeing an alligator up close is acceptable. Yeah. One's at a taxidermy shop. Okay. The other's at a zoo. Okay. I agree. And, yeah. and Jack, you don't have to run really fast. You just have to run faster than the other guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You know, they say there's a million stories in the uh, Florida Fly-In, and uh, I was just uh, introduced to a woman down here who I wanted to say, talk to for a couple seconds here. I'm doing my Phil Donahue thing, by the way. You caught that, right? I always we wanted like to be that. Phil Very Donahue. Sensitive. This is like, this is like Jay Leno yeah. going for down people, to the audience. For people listening the, the, at home, we're, I'm, I'm wandering around here no down on, uh, on the ground uh, away from the deck and, the, and just having a great old time chatting with people. The, the problem is, Jack, is when you get home in a couple of weeks, you're going to be running around your house with a mic looking for people to talk to. I'm sorry, everyone doesn't do that? Oh. <laughs> What's your name? Nancy. Nancy, so I, now you're not a pilot at this time, is that correct? No. So why are you here? For the fun. Okay. You must live in Florida so the sun doesn't mean anything to you at all. Correct. Okay. And are you having fun? Absolutely. What, what, I know you, you, you did something I'm going to ask you about in a minute, but what have you seen that you thought was interesting other than the thing we're going to talk about? There, it's just amazing. There's just so much. I've never been. And there's just so much to see and so much to do. I, I have a friend who's been working here for 28 years, and she kept trying to get me to come. This year I came. And I, it's phenomenal. There's just so much. And so what did you end up doing today that you didn't expect to do? They surprised me with an ultra flight light. You, uh, flight. You, you, an ultra light flight. <laughs> do you know the name of the one, that you, the type of the one that you went in? I don't. The pilot is Vern. Vern, okay. Can you describe the aircraft to us? Was it like... Uh, yeah, it was. It kind of like was like a hang glider with two seats. Okay. Yep. And what was it like? Did you have fun? It was amazing. It was beyond fun. It you, you feel like you're just suspended in air. 
and you can see for miles. It's just unbelievable. So just quickly describe the flight to us. So you, so you, you, you climbed board and you, took, you rolled across the grass and you took off and what happened? We immediately went into the air and we just, you know, we flew around and he did a couple tricks, got a little nauseated. <laughs> But it was definitely. But it was a good kind of nauseated, yes, right? It was. It was kind of like a roller coaster nauseated. But it was really, really amazing. It was just the best. He he's a very good pilot, and I'd never done it before. And he communicated with me the whole time, told me what he was going to do. The seat, you know, you see everywhere. You can see for miles. It's just phenomenal. You think this is something you might like to take up as a an avocation? I think I'll be another passenger another time. <laughs> I like I like somebody else taking the control, and I'll just fly. Great. Well, thank you. Welcome to Sun and Fun, and welcome to aviation. That's great. Thanks. What else is going on up here? What? What's going on up here? There's an air show going on up here. There's a yeah. podcast going on up here. One of the listeners on the forum says that he hates it when I say we're reaching the end of our allotted time. But, but, but we're starting to, but yeah. I have, we have an allotted time? But I think we are reaching the end of our allotted time. So it's just the beginning of the week. We're just getting started here. That's we're right. going to do another episode of the podcast on Sunday morning. And uh, assuming we're all still you know, alive, not dead from exhaustion. Upright. Yeah, well, up I haven't I haven't seen anybody hold the red tag up that says we're flagged and yeah. barred from coming back. So... What do we expect throughout the week? What's going to happen? Well, we're going to see some Thunderbirds air shows. We're supposed to have some refueling tankers come in. We're going to have the uh, Harriers come in. Uh, there's a lot more airplanes on the field now than there were this morning. There'll be a lot more tomorrow than the day before. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff in the uh, exhibition building, so see what, uh, what I need to spend money on and drool over in the various exhibitors' booths. One of the things that uh, I, I enjoyed this afternoon, uh, Dave and I uh, had the opportunity to go over to the uh, EAA workshops area. Oh, that's right. And uh, what'd you uh, see? Well, there's there's a lot of very dedicated EAA types over there, uh, working with sheet metal, working with wood, uh, working with electronics. Um, uh, Vic is the uh, the chairman. I forget his last name. Uh, Dave, do you have that? Well. Oh, Vic Boyce yeah, is the thank chairman. You. Yeah, Vic, Vic Boyce is the long, chairman long of the workshops, volunteer here. workshops area here at, at uh, Sun and Fun. And I'd like to give a shout-out to him for uh, his hospitality. Um, but it was just incredibly interesting. And, I, you know, I, I work with my hands. I'm kind of a, a gearhead. Uh, um, but, but seeing some of the craftsmanship uh, going on over there and uh, um, the dedication of, of the volunteers in, in trying to pass down to others their skills and their dedication – uh, to making uh, making air pr- airframe parts and, and whole airplanes is is very enlightening. Yeah, you guys are only here for a couple more days. What do you, what's the thing you absolutely need to check out before you leave? Honestly, I need to see the air show. I missed it today, you know, because we were running around and we found ourselves in the beer garden about halfway through the show. So tomorrow, you know, we're leaving Thursday morning. I need to make sure that tomorrow I see the air show performers do their thing. There you go, Will. I'm gonna echo that uh, that, and I gotta convince either. Diamond or Mooney to give me their nice airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. James, what are you looking for? What are you working on? What are you covering here? Uh, this evening I'm going to fly the new Husky A1C with the uh, enhanced vision system. I'm looking forward to that. Oh, very cool. Hearing from Stu Horn all the things he's been up to. I'm kind of sorry that I'm not doing this up in Afton, but uh, we're very anxious to get the story into uh, either Pilot Journal or Plane and Pilot. I'm not sure which yeah. it's going into. You're so flying it tonight, did you yes, say? Yes, tonight. Uh, after dark. After dark. 
Okay. That's really when enhanced vision comes into play. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or when I'm behind it, yeah. one or the other. That, that's a, a big help for me. Well, I'm just looking forward to wandering around the grounds and checking out the airplanes and enjoying the warm weather. Boy, I'm enjoying the warm weather. I bet you are. This is just terrific. Um, we're, we're experimenting, I should say, and this is not exactly an announcement, but, but uncontrolled airspace is experimenting with some new forms right now. And uh, so we're, we're wandering around the grounds shooting some video and uh, trying to see whether or not it's possible to recreate the, 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 the tone that we've stumbled upon here in this, in this podcast on, on we, video. We, we do have stand-ins for us, right? Yeah, I mean, right. nobody really wants to see us. No. Somebody will be playing the part of Dave. That's right. Somebody yeah. will be playing the part of Jeff. Yeah, if right. only because I really would rather work with somebody else. George, George oh. Clooney and I have an exclusive contract. <laughs> George so, Clooney as Jeb Burnside. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to wandering around. We're going to cover some other things. We're going to collect some more information. We're going to line up some more friends to visit us uh, in the episode that we're going to do on Sunday morning. Um, you know, I guess that's it for now. I want to thank everybody who uh, has managed to wander into the hangar. Now that my papers have blown on the floor, I don't have my list. But let's see if I can do it. For, oh, here it is. Oh, we had Barry Valentine. We, we want to thank Alan Clapmeyer. Now, hang on. Before you list the list, we've got to do this right. He's going to do this in order, I think. We're going to have to do it in order, but we have to help, help people understand where they can go and learn more about these people. Barry Valentine, of course, you, you could Google his name or uh, used to be able to. Uh, so now we can call him former FAA administrator and former Texas former tailbreaker. Former acting on. FAA administrator. Former, excuse me, acting. Thanks to uh, Barry Valentine for joining us and for being the uh, the uh, on-location guest who's been with us at every single time. Right. Um, uh, thanks to Alan Klapmeyer, of course, of course. Uh, who, who took some time out of his very busy schedule to join L- us here. L- little airplane, you can probably find out more about him at some outfit called Cirrus. Well, and, and let's, let's keep in mind also that Alan's here not only as a principal of Cirrus, but also as the current chairman of Gamma. Yeah, oh, really? yep. absolutely. Will, what's the website? Will Hawkins. Well, Hawkins, uh, well, just look for me on iTunes at the Pilot's Flight Podlog, or just look up my name, Will Hawkins. You'll find me. Yep. Also, I wanted to say one thing. I, I didn't get a chance to, uh, to see Alan there, but I was looking at his, uh, the, the Cirrus jet, and I wanted to give him some advice. I think that it'll get um, certified faster if he makes it a little bit bigger. I don't know <laughs> if you saw it out there. It's a little small. I couldn't fit in that thing. Yeah, yeah that's right. For those at home. Will's not a small guy. <laughs> and the jet wasn't very big. That's right. <laughs> Thanks to Jason Miller for joining us. What's your website? Where can people learn more about your stuff? Uh, they can get the, the podcasts at thefinerpoints.net. That's thefinerpoints.net. And if they're interested in uh, flight training, downloadable training, they can check out ontheflightline.com. That's great. Very Thank cool. you. James still doesn't have a website, but uh, you can Google his name and learn about the dentistry book and the check out. Yeah, check out his history of dentistry and uh, have something to deaden the pain first. <laughs> Not that we are immune to that. That's right. Uh, other than that, I think I said uh, Jeb Burnside at jebburnside.com, uh, 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 Aviation Safety Magazine. I'm doing this from memory. You think I can do it? AviationSafetyMagazine.com. You, you've done it once or twice. So I, I, I have confidence. We're going to still we're still googling. Uh, uh, still googling Dave, Dave Higdon, yeah. but you can also check out Kit Planes and uh, and uh, that other Av- one. Well, you can look for my stuff on avbuyer.com, uh, the AEA website, uh, and then there's a couple of places that. Would be embarrassing to show up on a screen, so what, we won't tell you What's that website where they do the uh, the uh, police mug shots? Oh, that would be JebBurnside.net. Uh, <laughs> Touche. 
and myself at jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. Visit us all, all the, the gang of us at uh, uncontrolledairspace.com. We've met some of our forum participants right. here today, and that's terrific, and we really love that, and we have a lot of fun there, so uh, that's great. And, Thanks uh, to Dave Shawbetter, Sun and Fun Radio, and all the Sun and Fun Radio engineering staff. Thanks to the people who put the batteries in the microphone. That's right. Thanks to uh, John Burton and uh, and uh, Donna Gabriel. Donna Gabriel, thank you for uh, being uh, extended hosts, and uh, we're having a good time. We're going to be back uh, with another episode on Sunday, probably on the net uh, a few days after that. And, thanks. Uh, thanks also to everybody who stopped by. Um, uh, can't thank you enough. We 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 hope we we caught everybody. We hope we, we hope we mentioned your name, but if if we didn't, please come back. Yeah, and thanks for all of you that tune in and make us feel like. You know, we've got something worthwhile to say when really after we hang up, we all know better. That was Higdon, Dave Higdon, H-I-G-D-O-N. So thanks to everyone for joining us in the virtual hangar this afternoon, and we'll talk to you all again next time. T-T-F-N. All right. Shadow, folks.